This podcast was recorded on June 22nd, 2022. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and people outside the binary. Broken Class is back in session. I'm your discussion leader, Thomas Gradient Huda. I don't really even have words to describe the importance of this guest in my life, truly. My musical life, my creative life. We've had our ups and downs, but mostly ups. And uh, Sammy Warmhands of the band Dead Fucking Serious is here, uh, who is also a previous member of The Illusionists. Um, would you say previous member, or do you just kind of feel like the collective continues on? No, it doesn't really exist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. And uh, that's how that's how creativity goes. And uh, how are you doing today, my friend? Tired. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just, just came from work. but uh, Awesome. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know that the first question of the show yes. is, what's a controversial opinion that you have about anything? The summer sucks. Ooh. <laughs> I've, okay. been, I've been loving the uh, cold, rainy half of June that we just had. It's been glorious. Nice. And, uh, of course, we planned this, uh, and, and it finally gets hot enough. Now I'm sweating buckets. Uh, yeah today so i'm a little sticky you can use those buckets uh, for something as counterweights you know all sorts of you know paperweight if you have a big stack of paper in the way you don't want to get them wet though i don't think you're a kind of guy who does like mountains of paperwork outside no that's not really a thing that most people do nowadays yeah i mostly uh, walk to the the van and back to the house that's about the extent that's the that's my nature walk uh, wow man, it sounds like you're training for the eugene uh Eugene Marathon, at least the half, the yes. 13.1 mm-hmm. miles? Yeah. All right, sounds good. Uh, we certainly go back, man. I think it's it's worth talking a little bit for, because uh, it's been a while, man, and and I think the audience for what I've been doing lately with the pod it might be unfamiliar. A lot of them might be unfamiliar, but the the core people are going to know that, you know, starting back from when I was in, like, probably ninth and 10th grade, I would – I. The first time I ever saw you perform uh, with Evan Vaught, Evil, and the Illusionist at the time was a CD World in store. I think for Death Proof. I think twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really yeah. neat because I had I'd been following like uh, for example Real MCs Just Rhyme mm-hmm. that music video at CD World. So it's kind of cool to get to see like a year or two later the the bald headed guys had such a nice smooth <laughs> smooth voice and flow at the you know smooth Evan, heads Evil. And uh, so I got to see him and wearing a flannel, and I was like, "Oh man, he's attractive." Uh, <laughs> like, look at that spring tucky style. He's taken. He's taken. Um, and really, uh, having taken me out on the road for the Rare Forum tour in 2016, yep, and the Fall Children tour in 2017, yep. Uh, really amazing experiences that we've had, as well as some a few uh, days in Iowa of of uh, being at a over large hotel room uh, without much to do while we were broken down for the yeah. millionth time yes. to me yeah exactly um so tell me about um just i know you got this album clandemic yes. um and would you rather start with the origins of this band or start with kind of the origins of this record uh yeah however you want to play it man yeah i'm good yeah so you were an epd like as a kid not the police force but the (laughs) yeah yeah so in the late 90s it was eugene punk department was the name and when you're in middle school you think you know that's funny and then like you're in the band for 
years and people <laughs> say, oh, what does that stand for? And we would just make up a different thing every time, like oh. electric pud dispenser or like, <laughs> you know, yeah. evocative mm-hmm. uh, evil phlegm diarrhea diaper, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> whatever you could think of at yeah. the time, you know. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, we, we did that for a long time. Um, and, you know, for like our, our middle school band to run for like eight years and get to play with, you know, uh, just amazing shows, you know, people we really admired. It was it was sort of this like everyone going, oh, my God, you you kids are the next best thing. Like you're you're, you're going to go farther than any of us. Right. And then, like, of yeah. course, the band breaks up and that didn't happen. And um, one of the things that happened was around 2005, uh, the scene was becoming more hardcore, which we were a big part of, but it was becoming a lot of like tough guy hardcore and there was violence at shows and, Mm. and just a lot of really ugly attitudes that were not why we were there to play music. And so I left that band in 2005 and in 06, uh, I said to our bass player, Chris Wilson, I said, Hey, let's just play some old school, super fast, hardcore punk that's like the opposite of the how heavy can you get how tough can you be like mm. you know let's just do that would you and say so more that melodic was, uh no that wasn't really I, the I think goal. where you're going is is a band that that had some really cool um melodies within its grittiness uh no no this i'm talking about uh dfs so when Def fucking oh, serious okay. started um epd had become this day's end and Damn we were it. doing the hardcore stuff and it was okay so more, epd became this day's end because kendrick yeah. lamar's former outfit tde i think stole the tde top yeah. dog entertainment yeah that was us that definitely <laughs> <laughs> this day's but, end was the first <laughs> so yeah i mean it's it's a really long story it depends on how sure. uh in detail you want to get but basically long story short the scene had changed the attitudes had changed and I quit the band, and I stole Chris, and we started Dead Fucking Serious as a way to just um, go back to the roots of the music. And it didn't—it didn't have any effect really. We only had a few people that really followed us, and um, you know, we broke up after a couple of years. Didn't and, you do a split EP um, at some point early on? Yeah. So in 2012, so. We had been a band already for six years at that point, and four of them were off. So, you know, it was a short-lived thing in the beginning. But in 2012, The Illusionist had all these punk songs that we wanted to finally commit to a record, and we did it. And it was like, wow, this is a three-minute EP. Uh, That's way too short for five songs. And I was like, you know what? What if we get DFS back together? Because the shit we were doing by the end was way better than those early recordings. What if we record those old songs properly, right? And so we we did. We reunited after four years of not seeing each other and recorded everything live, overdubbed a vocal, and it was like the best thing we ever made. And so ever since then, 10 years ago, we've been uh, you know, s- steadily uh, creating behind the scenes. And this is our, our third full-length album now since we got back together. And... Uh, it's it's been awesome like every time we come back out of hibernation with a new record and you know play some shows just the reactions are incredible and it it just it's like that that part of my soul that wasn't fed for all those years that i didn't have a band you know like it just it feels so good i've heard you describe being in a band as both the 
best thing in the world and just one of the shittiest things you know and yeah in in terms of the mechanics i would say the shittier part is the practical nature of getting everyone in the same room and on the same page and dealing with egos and different creative visions yeah and and not even as much that but like the level of commitment you know because you know me i've always had just an an obsessive drive yeah and it's very hard to get other people on board with that stuff especially when you are the the creative force right like they're your songs your ideas and so when we started the illusionists and i say we it was me and gabe morley who was in yob and so this day's end had broken up and yob had uh, kicked him out of the band Ah. and we were both just like I'm never starting another band. Yeah. It was the worst thing, right? Yeah. And so when when he had beats and I had rhymes and we started collaborating, it was like, you know what? This is going to be the anti-band. It's just going to be you and me <laughs> and it'll <laughs> it'll just be so much easier, you know, and we don't have to care about shows or selling records or anything. And then after like the first record was being finished, it's like, okay, well, this stuff's really cool. We want people to hear it, so we got to play shows and then enter <laughs> Evan, and then like within another year, it's, well, we got to have enough of a big impression to fit on these other types of shows, and so now we have a live band, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So, uh, yeah, definitely safe to say that being in a band is tough, and even all those years ago, I was like, I'm over it. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. But there's a satisfaction in going out there and doing something with your friends and not just as a solo artist or, you know, a little duo or something like that, but like something that you banged out in the room together and bringing that to people on stage, there's still just a magic in that. And yeah, it feels like when, when DFS played last week, our release show in Portland, it still has the same feeling to me that it did, you know, in, ninth grade or something yeah. when when we're playing those earliest shows and and how great it feels to you know to get to channel that aggression in a positive way and being mm. creative with your best friends and right you know it's just uh it's still all those things that it was to me in the beginning but it's hard to get people on board to the level that you are and so there's a lot of compromise and a lot of times a lot of disappointment you know, that's a really interesting um, thing you mentioned there about channeling aggression in a positive way. Because I think maybe I've, I haven't really sufficiently praised you for the fact that I genuinely think, Sam, you have been a uh, maybe even a reluctant role model, but not really the most um, intentional role model at times while, the, while also being intentional about tough guy energy and the, the, the you know, I feel like people are upset about what's going on in the world generally. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of guys, um, maybe they don't have a strong enough vocabulary to express or have a proper outlet to express or have a creative venture. So, and this is just like, you know, blunt podcast shit. They're domestic abusers. You know, they're, they're, they're racist. They're bar fighters. Yeah. Or they're, they're insecure and have to carry, weapons everywhere yeah yes. and and you actually have just been speaking out against that energy for a really long time pretty much as long as i've been writing songs yeah mm-hmm. and i i think that that's a like i consider myself a punk rocker because that's what i started on right but like if yeah. you spe- like and, and people can say like oh you know 
racism, sexism, homophobia, those things aren't punk rock. And I see people say stuff like that. And it's like, but then you also get, you know, a lot of the same bands that believe in that and put that in their songs, like would go see Gigi Allen and, and all these crazy, you know, uh, provocateurs back mm. in the day. So like, mm. I think all of that is punk rock. But if you look specifically at hardcore, which came out as more aggressive, faster, the thing that differentiated it is a lot of it was uh, like, you know, bad brains with the PMA, the positive mental attitude. Mm. It's like we are and talking about like unity and community. You know, it was sort of a thing we could come together and lash out and get all this stuff out of our system. Yeah. You know, and that really just appealed to me early on. It's like you don't have to fight if you can find the word it's like a therapist telling you to you know what go home and just just write all those thoughts down right yeah but if you get to write all those thoughts down and then you get to actually like put in the physicality of screaming that oh, right man. at a microphone oh yeah and then you add to that the level of all your friends coming together in one band and playing it and then you add to that level all your other friends in their bands on the show wow. and like like the other night we had bands that I've played with on and off for more than 20 years at wow. that show, like Cap Gun Suicide, Compact 56, Berserk, Broadway Calls, This Day's End, like so many people just in that one show the other night that it's so layered the amount of catharsis you get from doing that. Again, from from the creativity and and the outlet all the way up through the performance and sort of the... Um, the way it resonates with others, you know, right. like to me, that's just the deepest thing. Star theater in Portland. Is that where you, the show was? You're talking yeah. About? Yeah. We did our release show on uh, the 14th uh, with uh, a Wilhelm scream and Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence arms and make war. And uh, it was actually through my podcast, the take 92 podcast that I sort of befriended Trevor Riley from a Wilhelm scream. Cool. And um, so when they were coming out, um, he invited us to play. And so cool! It it was an honor to play with those guys, and and you know to have like this is what I was talking about how amazing the the yeah. reception was and the vibe at that show. Like you know we're just the opening band, and that could mean like there's a big outdoor patio, so that could mean everyone's hanging outside waiting for the bands they know to come on. Yeah, and that wasn't it at all. Like we had a great crowd every member nice. of every band and even like their merch guys would come up to us throughout the night and tell us, you know, what cool our set meant to them. And I was like, who the fuck are we? Like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's a you very know? bifurcated venue because they're, everything's going on inside. And then the patio is kind of an equally large space where they're also serving beverages Yeah, and, and playing music. Yeah. So. And, and we actually had got, there was a, like a space, um, limit inside for merch tables so our merch was stuck outside oh and so by the same token you have the fact that people weren't hanging out out there and they were watching all the bands but mm -hmm. then also it made such an impression that everyone came all the way out there to see us and buy our record yeah. and so it was like man we're getting the best of both worlds right now and i don't know how that's possible sometimes just the stars align at a show and, and you just get that that validation that you don't get when you're just sharing stuff online and the algorithm decides not to show it to anyone, you know, yeah. it's like, Oh my God, <laughs> I needed this in my heart. Um, 
I'm glad you had that really good experience. I couldn't make it up that day. Uh, I wish I had because I've been to one Star Theater show, and I liked the, the space a lot. I thought it was cool. Um, it was called like a Portland Hometown Heroes Hip Hop Show, mm-hmm. and um, so there was a guy, Swiggle Mandela, was on the bill. It was headlined by these guys, Dante Thomas and Boca, who I was really excited to see was uh, Mike Capes. I was going to ask if Mike Capes was on the show because that yeah. sounded familiar when you said yeah. the title. Yeah, and um, you know, I I love my partner. I'll, I'll try not to put her on blast. That's not what this is at all. She just is not really a go to hip hop shows person. Um, but she tries to be there and to support me and stuff when I'm interested in things. But she just wasn't feeling it, right? So we were going to go back to, I think it was the hotel. I think we were there, uh, had a hotel. And I found out later, because, you know, it's popular nowadays on Instagram. They'll do, like, show recap highlight videos a lot yeah. of times people do. Freaking Wynn was there, dude. Um, that The blonde rapper girl, W-Y-N-N-E. You don't, you're not familiar with her at all? Oh, she's no. my favorite Portland rapper. Oh. There's one time um, on the... She was brought up on the Fall Children Tour. We were having a really interesting conversation. You, me, and her, and maybe one other person we were eating. Wait, she was of, she was there with us? No. Oh, okay, Lisa okay. brought her up. Lisa Vasquez oh, brought her it. up. Our tour mate. Because we were talking about um, essentially the dynamics of race and um, community and bands and like shows. And um, Lisa brought up the, the fact from kind of her argentinian um person of color kind of experience in portland that she's included in a lot of this um women of color like collectives that they'll do like cool yeah. f- like photos and events and stuff but people were not very happy because win was getting a lot of attention and she's a white girl from lake oswego oh. a white blonde girl from lake oswego but she's got bars and lisa was kind of basically on her side about it she's like well i don't really know that we should throw so much shade this way you know yeah you know she's i think she's got a lot of respect for the culture and da 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 and um that kind of made me look in her she's a beast dude evan loves her i every time i see an instagram video that winnie puts out evan's already liked it <laughs> nice so, anyway um but actually, I got also you brought up the algorithm and you brought up um, earlier, you mentioned, you know, we love these songs. We want to take them on the road so people hear them. And uh, this is going to be an exciting, uh, exciting topic to, to ask you about, which is TikTok. And right. uh, and uh, I think that that people I've seen that are my age or older have understandably believed that TikTok was like this, like just like very silly stupid like um, juvenile thing like vine or something yeah 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 and then you see these platforms maybe maybe evolve obviously the pandemic had a huge yeah. i think impact on people's perceptions of tiktok because um our friend jessica Pilat, uh yeah. she's got 130 some thousand fo- followers <laughs> she, so she's got videos with millions of views i shared her video the other day on on instagram and uh i was like wow this is this is really cool guys and then i saw the next day she posted about it like, oh, my God, this has half a million views yeah. on my TikTok page. I'm like, are you I saw your comment. kidding me? I like, saw your comment. What? You're like, 500,000? That's yeah. who you like, Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So that's the thing, too, because obviously you are very committed to your craft and then you want people to hear your music afterwards. But like TikTok doesn't have a venue capacity. You go to a show, you might make it obviously a much, much more intimate and rich and meaningful connection with people that actually come see you live but sometimes some people are making very meaningful connections i think at least one way parasocial is kind of what it's called everyone feels like they know you the creator but you don't actually really know them yeah um 
Have you cons- like? Do you have TikTok? Do you look at it at I all? I do. Okay. Um, I haven't mentioned it to anyone because I don't really care. Uh, I, I just, you know, a lot of a lot of the bands that I follow aren't even on there. Um, sure. I just decided. Well, I see people getting a lot of organic views on here. What I'm going to try to do is just take some of these. When I have a, a video post, like for the new DFS record, um, I'll also put it on there with the same hashtags and whatever, right? And right. Uh, the first few were like really big. You know, you're getting, um, and, and I mean really big for a page with no followers. Yeah, yeah, none. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you'd still get like. 500 or 700 views on your on your video in the first 24 hours i'm like oh oh, that's neat like you'd never have that on youtube maybe there's something here you know yeah yeah exactly um and so i put up you know a a number of things on there and i sort of noticed that it just you know dropped off and like honestly i spend so much time on social media anyway i don't like facebook i really (laughs) don't like twitter i would i would not have them at all um if it were up to me, but I still get merch sales by posting on Facebook. And so I have to keep that. Yeah. Um, I do really enjoy, despite all the horrible changes, uh, using Instagram. I yeah. have three accounts on there, one for me and my various projects, one for DFS and one for my uh, podcast. Uh, yeah. For my, my podcast slash Batman collection, the yeah. Batfan addict podcast. And so right. I really enjoy in particular the fan community around comics and cosplay and and that sort of thing that I get a lot of fulfillment out of. The other two pages I kind of just keep because I have to have some way to share music. Um, but uh, yeah, so in short, I tried it. Um, I will probably continue to sporadically post on there. I follow like ten people. They're all punk rock record labels. Uh, yeah, you know. I I think that um, oh, I I don't hey, really buddy. even think that. Oh, there's a duck there. We have a friend. Nice. Yeah. I we wish that he would come on, to, come on to the screen here. I could actually probably start filming and just <laughs> and just put it into the video. Super. Oh, wow. For the first time ever, we have two camera angles. Wow. But I'll keep, the, I'll keep it talking and, and engaging for the listeners as well um, by talking about... Uh, I, I think you're probably open to... I'm not even really critiquing something you said or your approach, but I think people um, that organic reach on TikTok, people can sniff out or at least they, it doesn't seem things do as well when they're just kind of like, okay, I posted this to Instagram and Facebook. Let me also post it to TikTok. I think some, some of the, the TikTok, um, the stylized nature and the TikTok yeah, mannerisms. It, ha- it has a format for sure. Exactly. And I, I, I I really don't like it. I, yeah, I really yeah, yeah. it's it's very like even more so than than Twitter in a way. It's very self important. It's like yes. here I'm going to show you a video that somebody else made of a thing that's happening, right? And I'm <laughs> going to sit deadpan and just stare at you while you watch me watching it, and then maybe shrug my shoulders or go <laughs> at the end yeah. or something. And it's like. Why are you in this? <laughs> just share the thing that you saw that you like, you know, and so that yeah, it's more just like right. weird internet narcissism that I don't like, and I will not be uh, uh, participating in that way, okay. which our friend Jessica has done ex- exceptionally well because she is uh, she doesn't have a song to write to get her expression out. This is her way of expressing those things, and she right. does it marvelously. Right. Um, it's just not really what I want to pursue. You know. I get that. Uh, another thing would be, 
So, but I do also think that even more so than some of the narcissism you're talking about, it's just like, uh, I, I mean, you, people plagiarize ideas very blatantly on there. You know, so, yeah. like, basically, I have a funny idea and I use a sound or I create an original sound and make a funny video about throwing a peanut butter sandwich into the trash can or something, right? Right. Somebody who's just more attractive conventionally yeah. uses the exact same audio and synchronizes themselves to it yeah. and gets a thousand times the reach on it, you know? Like, yeah. It's it's a little cheap. Well, and I I mean, there's times where, you know, you're, you're posting stuff on social media and you'd be like, man, I wish I was a hot chick. You know, yeah. that, that would get me the, the views. But then, like, you know, I do follow a lot of models and in particular cosplayers on my other page. Right. And, like, there are lots of beautiful people with huge followings whose followers do not care about what they have to offer. They don't care about their podcast. They don't care about their new song coming out. They don't care. All they want to see is that butt, right? Yeah. Like, like if you're not doing the one, you know, two-dimensional thing that I am here for, I don't care. I'm not going to follow your other page. I'm not going to whatever. And you yeah. see them struggle with it. And so yeah. even if I have that for a moment, I'm like, eh, well, no. They, they've got their own struggles because we're all just trying to get heard. And, yeah. and to me... It calls back to an old illusionist lyric um, in, in a different social media age. I said, you got a SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress. Mm -hmm. You're talking so much. It's no wonder you haven't heard yet. Everybody here is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You ain't blazing trails. You're straight clogging the lane. lane. You know, and it's sort of like, at the end of the day, the creativity has to be the most important thing because everyone is using the same methods. We're all trying to get ahead, uh, you know, and, and, and cut through the noise. Yeah. And really the only way to do that is to make music or content, whatever that is, whether you're doing short films or photography or whatever, making stuff that's unique to your voice. And however many people gravitate towards that, they're going to find authenticity, you know, and, to me, that's way more important than like a superficial following who doesn't actually care what you do or say. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's it is one of the most um, just low attachment kind of uh, kind of things. I mean, I've seen my followers on tw on TikTok because I've posted maybe about five or six videos. Yeah, and. Well, I posted a couple earlier, but I deleted them, you know, or hid them. So maybe about nine videos total. And um, there was basically one that was me pretending to do a U.S. Census door interview as a rapper. Yeah. And I did it as a duet on a token video where he did, he did a hat, like a puts a on the beat. Responses or yeah, something. Call and and response. Yeah, call and response. I rap two bars. I, sh I shut up for two bars. I rap for two bars again. I shut up for two bars. Yeah, yeah. And I did that, and um, that got like two hundred and forty thousand views, I think, wow. and like like close to forty thousand. Uh, sorry, forty thousand likes. That's amazing. That's man. cool. And I got over a thousand followers off that. That's but great. when I didn't do anything, like just like months when passed you didn't and I didn't do anything, it, they fall. Yeah. They fall off, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't blame them. They don't know me at all. I haven't given them enough. And I've since then I've done a couple of other ones that were like a smaller because, but but still actually got my followers going yeah. upward again because uh, of inspiration from two people that we know, which is the uh, Elena Leona project, yeah, who and uh, Cody Nash who used to go by that kid cry, yeah, who's been on a couple of your records, yeah, and um, they which, both have over twelve thousand followers. Can I interject here? I have a question because sure. um, what 
when that kid cry became Cody Nash, I'm like, I thought your name was Aaron. This whole, <laughs> this whole time, I thought, am I crazy? Or is this one of those you introduce yourself as your rap name and then I just forget your real name this whole time? Yeah. I'm, I'm, give me the answer because <laughs> I don't know. And when I saw it on Facebook, I was like, wait, did I have this wrong all along? <laughs> Sorry. That's pretty funny. I had no, to do it. No, it's good. Um, a very valid question and not one that I had considered because I am not a good person. I don't know what my friends' names actually are. Uh, <laughs> I've noticed, too, another thing that it's just le- – I mean, we can talk about the features of social media changing, but, like, I don't know. It's annoying yes, how – Yes, I'm here to talk about the, whole- the trends in Silicon Valley. <laughs> the, what Messenger and Facebook and Instagram is doing is very clunky right now. They're trying to hybridize. They're trying to make, like – Yeah, no. Yeah, it's fucking weird, no. especially because when I – when I post a story on Instagram, I used to like be uh, you're gonna see who views it, yeah, and it would be the usernames, all the usernames, yeah. But now it's the government names, yeah. Creepy. I'm I don't like, know. I don't know who these people are. Yeah, exactly. It's just weird. <laughs> you're, you're, I don't know, but I guess maybe they have some long game based on some data that I'm. It's either that they they their um, transition model is more sophisticated than I could ever imagine or uh, no there isn't enough competition no one's going to be able to dethrone them no matter what they do ex- I, that's that's it because for the last <laughs> 2 years Instagram has repeatedly made it less and less user friendly and you'll get like millions of people complaining about why did you move the thing where the likes are and why did you move this and why did you yeah. you know throttle the reach of these type of things and why like you change the format of videos and we start doing that and then you change it to something else like they it's as if they want people to leave they're trying so hard to get people <laughs> to leave but they know that we've built these communities and we need them because yep like you said we don't know these people in real life yeah <laughs> i talk to some of these people daily yeah. i don't have their phone numbers you know come on straight up but yeah i mean again just to circle back like that is sort of a trend chasing thing and when tiktok phases out there will be another one and to me all i'm all I've ever tried to do is uh, create stuff that I want to hear. And, and I've said many times that I don't write songs just for the exercise of doing it or for practice or, or whatever to hit a quota. Mm-hmm. Um, I will only sit down to write when I feel like I have to get something out. And so it's a very like essential, like real primal thing for me. And I just don't have any interest in those things, you know? And so yeah, I, I, I realize that when I complain about reach or whatever, that I, you know, I'm also aware of um, the choices that I've made, you know? And, and, right. to, and to, to me, that's, that's just kind of the cost of integrity. I know brilliant artists that no one has ever heard of who just aren't, salesmen they're not trying to play the game you know yeah. and yeah. uh and that's that's okay you know right um because the work speaks for itself right it actually reminds me very much of the we weren't able to use the other covered shelter at this park but my last episode was at that other covered shelter with Traylon day and m5 vibe and Traylon day being a promoter his controversial opinion was people say fuck the middleman and they don't often consider how somebody who is acting 
as a promoter or someone who's a facilitator can help somebody who doesn't have the personality to be a salesman. And sometimes it's necessary to take your shit to the next level. Where would Biggie be without Puffy? No way. Yeah, exactly. You know, like he was the dude pushing him out into the world, pushing him out on stage, you know, and standing right up next to him going, see how great he is? Look, (laughs) you know, like you need a guy like that or you're not going to be, you know, in the top five. It's not going to happen. You know, like Pharaoh Munch is not going to be on, you know, the layman's top five list (laughs) because he didn't have the Diddy, you know, pushing him out there. He didn't have the Suge Knight pushing him out there. You know, some of these guys did. Even though he's mentioned on Rap God, which is, but that was later in his career. Um, Speaking of Eminem, Eminem has had, uh, and, and that's someone who you and I like, Pretty much anytime Eminem has put out a, a real, a real full length album, you, we're talking about it. You and I are texting about it. Yeah, or, I don't have a lot of other friends I can talk to about it. Yeah, well, it's I'm, like the simultaneously I'm not like of it. the you know, you know the biggest selling artist that everyone's supposedly listening to, right. and yet no one claims to be listening to. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, come on, guys, we, we remember middle school? Like he's right, he's still doing it. That's really funny. <laughs> oh man, you know, it's like the Foo Fighters, like. Uh, I've always said the Foo Fighters are, are, are an enigma to me because they are massively successful. One yep. of the biggest selling rock bands, period, right? Mm-hmm. And yet they're nobody's favorite band. Like, yeah. you never hear people like, oh man, the Foo Fight, right? But when right. they come around, you're like, that new record is good. Yeah. Or I went to the show last night, I was in tears, right? right? But you never hear people like, oh man, the Foo Fighters are my favorite band. Like, I don't know why. It's just there are yeah. some, some people you don't like uh claim in that way but yeah we do because we are unapologetic fanboys yeah i like yeah that. I, and and you know i don't know if it's our uh, what it scientifically uh boils down our per- like what catalyzes us having the mentality that we do but i believe myself to be on the autism spectrum so i think on, on some level it's just a why would i care I have passion about this thing. Yeah. Why would I pretend I don't? Because it's not cool. I don't yeah. experience that. <laughs> like, And sometimes like in a similar vein, okay, I might show up to something and smell bad or like, you know, it's just a, like kind of like a not, not having a conscious understanding or, or, pri- or just deprioritizing that. I also have hyperhidrosis, which means I just sweat a lot, but that's really, that's very extraneous to the point of what we're talking about <laughs> here. Eminem has said on a few, uh, on a few records, and I'm not, not, that not he really also sweats a lot. Is that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And that he's, that Palms. he's told me Palms that I smell bad, you know how like, um, Charles Manson got a lot of people believing that like the Beatles were telling him like, yes. So, Eminem is always communicating to me in his songs. Specifically, you. All the time. Yeah. 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 And uh, I had a feeling. <laughs> that I haven't been able to find anyone to join my cult yet, but I promise I'm divinely inspired through well, Eminem as a prophet. If they ever make a vi- movie of you, you'd be played by Devin Sawa. <laughs> I don't know who that is. What? He's the actor who was in Stan. Oh, okay. <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 giving me the what? How do you not know? And then no, he's, the he's, he's actually a famous actor, but he was in that music video. He was in Final Destination. That doesn't make you a famous actor. Okay. He was in one other movie. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, of the time <laughs> in the late '90s, he was a famous actor. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And um, that first Final Destination was pretty good. I like the whole they're watching the plane, and it's like, oh, cr- crashed. Um, <laughs> I'm really good at podcasting. I've been like an impressively, 
large audience, which is not a large audience, for the fact that I'm not good at this, y'all. Mm. I do not. I'm not good at it. Um, but Eminem has said <laughs> on a few songs, right. you know, I don't have anything else. Yes. I wouldn't be anything else. This is what I do is rap. And so you yeah. might think I'm washed up now or whatever. I This is what I am. Yeah. And I think of you on some level with just making music in general. But yeah. make it a fun question. What would you be doing if you were if you couldn't make music? I mean, not to go dark, but I would just rather not be alive. Yeah. Um, you know, e- e- even um, you know this this whole DFS record is is and uh, and a lot of what we do is is um, you know anxiety and depression and, and and getting that out of your system. But even leading up to the release of the album, you know, I got into a really deep depression where it was like, you know, this is. Like I've been writing punk songs for 25 years now. And this is the best thing I've ever done, right? And you know, I've heard people say like, "Yeah, yeah, it's always the best thing." Because if you're really trying to push yourself, then everything you do should be better than the thing that you did before. You yep. should be growing and trying to master master that skill set. Um, and I do in both of my primary genres. I, I think everything I've put out is better than the previous record. And with this, I was really s- struck by you know there's. I, I've sort of given up lots of times and trying to lower my expectations again and like, well, I'm just going to do this because it's for me and that's what I'm going to do. But as the record was getting made and it's like I'm getting all these amazing guests that people I've listened to for years and decades even uh, to come and participate on the record and, you know, whether that's uh, production or whether that's playing on it or whether that's the artwork, like there's so many people I've admired through my whole life that came and saw something of merit in what I'm doing. And uh, the thing just got bigger and bigger and bigger as we went through it. And it was like, oh my God, I have this thing that's that's amazing. And deep down, I know that no one's going to hear it and yeah. it's not going to make any difference. And like, um, I was talking to somebody about possibly doing a, a rap show recently, like kind of a comeback show mm. um, after the pandemic. And, yeah, before and we I started this, you were like, I haven't rapped in so long. I tried no, to get you to rap to do a vocal test. Yeah, but um, I was listening to um, the, my figures of speech record to try to think of like, oh, like what songs uh, would I want to play? Which, you know, do I remember? Blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the end of the, like the last two songs on that are kind of basically like, uh, you know what? I've said my piece, and uh, bye. Right, right, right. And and the last line of the second to last song, you know, I, I close just by saying like, and and what if this album doesn't change the outcome, right? And so like yeah. I was feeling all this excitement that I tried so hard not to feel for this new DFS record, and um, I got caught up in it, and then I felt when I was about a month out, it's like man, like. It doesn't matter. What like st- stop getting your hopes up because no one's gonna hear this, mm, you know. Mm. And just like waking up every day, like, you know, fuck it. What's the point? It's over. I don't care. I have nothing to live for, right? Even when I have this thing that's like on the eve of finally coming out after two plus years of me working on this thing that I'm proud yeah. of, still feeling that like inadequacy of like, well doesn't matter how good I do because it's me doing it and no one cares what I'm doing. Right. And like, that's, 
that's something I've just always kind of lived with. And and Man. part of it is the reaction of being in the young promising band that has a shitload of fans and then never having that again. Yeah. It's like the shit I'm doing now is so much better than what I ever did, right? And with all these other people, but it's just not it's it doesn't matter. It's not going to be the, you know, it's not the days of like, oh, the A&R guy was in the crowd and you got something, Sonny. <laughs> but you need, and you're the last person to want to do this. You need a viral antic, dude. You need dumbfounded did a fake, like karate kick, and it blew him up on YouTube. Uh, Princess Nokia, I don't know if you've heard of her. She threw hot soup on a guy who was say, yelling racial slurs on a New York subway. That was both really good for their careers, man. <laughs> I'm not saying we should stage it. You're not saying I I'm, should uh, attack someone. On I'm subway. not saying that we should stage it. Yes, but. We could do it artificially. Is that also is is that is you know if it's interesting because you filmed my biggest you know my mini viral moment yes wildfire yes um, in uh, twenty seventeen Iowa field yeah and that video we watched get like you know ten thousand more plays every day and I was like what the fuck you know because yeah. at the time my videos would get one or two thousand or something like that and right. so and when we were on at, Facebook yeah and on Facebook and so when we were at forty something thousand in like three days it was like oh my god i can't believe this is happening right and uh yeah you wonder if if a thing happened like that in the age of tiktok where they're not <laughs> throttling your reach super hard and, right. and they're actually trying to give you organic growth trying to push it to for, new people you know yeah. yeah to to uh kind of stimulate engagement right so you know how much bigger would have that been if it was you know a different thing but i yeah. mean that that was another one where I got a lot of new followers from it, and then I was pretty much done with touring, you know. And I didn't really, yeah. I didn't really uh, follow it. I, you know, I eventually followed it with the album, but it wasn't, um, you know, it was the same sort of thing. Where it's, right. it's like to me, the creativity is way more important than you know the rest and i do my best you know i make right. my press releases i get you know all of our shit gets, oh, yeah. gets premieres and i get you know the press photos and Blogs do all the stuff and, right yep. you know and uh you know it's like when people are are in a project with me or whatever i think they get surprised where i'm like okay so now the the rollout's going to be this so next week uh you know monday with this tuesday with that blah, blah, blah you know and i break yeah. down the whole fucking month like leading up to a release you know and i do all that shit uh but you know the 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 record label mindset is not necessarily the social media mindset so yeah you know i mean i've always um in the back of my mind it's too bad that i've been slow very very slow with production productiveness on productivity is like i, I forgot I, that I was word gonna, yeah <laughs> i just on let, i let you have hip hop <laughs> problem is you're smart and i don't really like podcasting with people that are as <laughs> smart as you are so anyway um you like being the big fish <laughs> i've never i've never thought of myself as being like that intelligent really it's just uh no really actually growing up i, I went to columbia I was, no big deal you know? i was always i was always confused dropped out uh i was always confused went <laughs> about they let people, you other, in. just just other people not knowing certain things i didn't know i didn't never thought it as me being as advanced as like why didn't you know that you know John Quincy Adams was the sixth president. I read that in my little book when I was a kid. But um, actually a pretty ardent abolitionist. Very interesting guy. After his presidency, which was not a success, 
in the co- in the co- in Congress just uh, breaking the rules about whether or not you're allowed to say the word slavery. They had a gag rule on the word slavery. You couldn't even say it in huh. the House of Representatives in in those years. And he was like, "This is stupid. Of course, this is just being done to protect the South and the slaveholding states." So, and he, he kept saying it, kept getting censured. Huh. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I like it. Presidential, pretty good podcast called Presidential. I've been enjoying it lately. I got an episode on every president, and um, yeah. So. The thing that I was going to say completely (laughs) escapes me. Yeah. Um, Oh, it was about your catalog because... um, Yes, because it's uh, it's not quite the Uline catalog, but it is better than the Sears catalog. (laughs) You have a lot of albums. Um, I do. Over 100 of them, I think. Uh, Yeah, we're in the 140s now, Mm -hmm. just in terms of all the releases that I've been a part of, whether that's, you know, a full-length album or a comp you know so it's a lot of things but i've been you did my ambition album in 2014 i don't know why yeah. i didn't get mentioned yet that's like the most i was gonna throw it in there but then the 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 conversation veered away so <laughs> exactly yeah. well i mean if it veers again or i have a draw draw blank we could talk foo fighters because i wanted to go into taylor hawkins but um and Catalog. there's a there's a little run of albums um that I paid uh, especially attention to, I'd say I've always been paying attention to your stuff since about 2009, but, um, death of a salesman in 2012, um, 2013, sorry. I very much just really, really took to that album as, as you know, and as you know that other people have. And, and, um, because one thing you mentioned earlier was as an artist, you want your stuff to be constantly getting better, constantly evolving. And, and it should be that way. And, and it genuinely yeah. is that way. And you feel it from your perspective. And, and, um, because you also are into honesty and bluntness. Like, I think that you might know that, like, um, I also really love your solo album after that bears repeating. Yeah. And I also li- love famous last words, which is basically, mm-hmm. basically your next solo album. Yeah. But it, at the time, uh, as much as I really liked both of those albums, I didn't feel like they were better than than Death of a Salesman. Why I bring that up now is because um, I'm able to appreciate, not just as kind of a selfish fan who wants to hear more songs like Finally and Center of Attention and Owned, and like listening to Bears Repeating, which came out in 2014. Yeah. And then... They were only six months apart. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. That's and, wild. and in between them was Break the Bank with Ogar Burl. That's so true. I actually dropped three full-length rap albums in six months. <laughs> and Is that true? Yeah, and then and then um, and then only six months after that was Famous Last Words. Um, so I mean, it was so, it was insane. Yeah, yeah. Like um, like in one year, those those four full-length albums, and then followed it with a full-length remix album. Yeah, with new lyrics. So. Oh, I was going to tick off how many of your releases yeah. I've been on, which is the remix album for Famous Last Words called Vacant Eyes. Yes. I'm on that. I'm on the Arcane Amalgam album. Yes. I'm on the um, Digital Purgatory album. Yes. And that might be it. Um, but that's pretty tight. Um, well, and I'm on a couple of yours, so we've done a lot of a lot of different songs. You're on all of mine. Yeah, yeah. you're on all three of my, my, besides the 222 EP that I just put out. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Um, and you're going to be on the chicken album on a really cool song called Barbecued featuring Cerebral Cortex as oh, right, well. Right, yeah. Heck yeah. I already forgot. I know. <laughs> um, but when I talk about why I didn't think those albums were represented an obvious upward trajectory of quality, I can definitely appreciate now, especially looking back on them, or just the storytelling and the yeah. the heart and the lyricism and 
I mean, box cutter. Box cutter, you're wrapping your ass off <laughs> arguably better than you could get anywhere on, on Dio, a Death of a Sale. You know, it's different. You know, I don't know. It, I, it's hard no, to no, compare I, directly. I, I get what you're saying. And, and for me, they're, they're completely different things because if you take a, a group album, which Death of a Salesman was the illusionist, right? And yeah. sure, it is spearheaded by me and, you know, I'm on. 70% of it or something like that um, and and you know cultivating these features and you know sequencing and production and whatever right that that was very much my baby but um, things are a lot different in that situation than when I break off and go you know what um, this this is just too crazy I'm gonna I'm gonna try some shit by myself and so um, y- you know whether or not you want to say those things are better, they are the next evolution of it because right. I wasn't able, you'll get like a little hint on uh, the EP we did right before Death of a Salesman where I, I start to get a little more introspective, you know, and there's moments here and there uh, where I Reintroducing did come that. out before D- Death of a Salesman, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and so there's little bits and pieces, but, Bears repeating was the first time I was really able to just shed the rap persona almost entirely right. and be a fully present and vulnerable person. Which the process, which a lot was from um, doing Death of a Salesman and the song "Not Alone" with Christoph Crane right. was the first time that I ever wrote stream of consciousness straight from the hip. Didn't actually like um, you know come with some punchlines to pepper it up and stuff you know like like joke writers will punch up a script or something mm. you know i didn't do any of that it was mm. just like straight from the heart in one sitting and i felt there was a power there that i latched on to with bears repeating and to a lesser extent i've had a lot of people come up to me and keep bringing that album back like oh yeah i love that bears repeating and i'm like yeah but the newer shit's better you know but yeah. but there was something very raw and personal there that i wasn't able to do on previous records so you know better whatever um if you if you take the sammy warm hands records the solo ones and go mm-hmm. you know bears to famous you know i, I don't know if you count vacant eyes the, the performances on vacant eyes were way better mm. um already six months later because i felt like oh it didn't quite have the energy right mm. and then follow that with figures of speech uh to me figures of speech is like the definitive Sammy Warman's record. It has all of the different styles. It has the best delivery, you know, most consistent production. And I love that you still feel that way. I was going to ask you because it's been a few years since yeah. that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Death of a Salesman being that pinnacle to the illusionist body of work, which was our fifth or sixth full length by then. Right. Mm. And so um, I think within each of these projects, there's always going to be that we're going to try to go to the next level from the last one, but I don't necessarily compare like, you know, one project to another. Cause I sort of see them differently. Like, like if you were to say rare form yeah. is my favorite of your rap albums or something, I'd be like, Oh, huh? Well, you know, that makes sense. Cause it's kind of in the Sammy Ogar world. Right. And in, and it is very well executed. I'm very proud oh, of that wow. record. Yes. And so if anyone said that to me, I'd be like, you know what? That's fair, right? I get yeah. why you think that has merit, you know? And so totally. like, I, I sort of see each of the projects need to have that growth forward, but I don't necessarily compare like, even nowadays, it's really hard. The more records you have, 
you know like i feel like i have my best in each genre but then you keep trying to better those ones and yeah. well what about the side projects like like my own personal top five what the fuck would that even be it's so hard yeah you know because it's so personal you're so connected to it yeah. so um it's yeah it's just basically trying to make sure that you know your shit is airtight that you can keep setting the bar and living up to it you know yeah. but i appreciate that you um have been kind of open about hey this touring grind and everything that i've been known for for so long it can't be sustained for so long but i don't think that you've well that's downsized you have not downsized at all in your commitment to the the tracks the songs that you release yeah. have never felt in the last few years like okay i can see that sam is kind of doing his last hurrah yeah if anything it's like when uh metallica was making death magnetic and i would see like interviews with lars being like this shit is faster and, gr- and <laughs> yeah, yeah. grindier and you know than yeah than i was making in the 90s you know yeah and uh, and if i have because we haven't talked about clandemic but you've i've heard it is it out yet yeah, yeah came yeah, out okay. last week okay yeah. um but I'll, i don't want to cut you off say what you're gonna say because but we can also then talk about the clandemic album uh you know what i don't i don't remember okay so. well just just the authority with which i, I that's the word oh, i use right, right. Like i remember now your yeah, production yeah. and the- i i think that especially with figures of speech that was the first record i didn't even tour on at all and it was like i yeah. made my magnum opus and you know what fuck it yeah you can have it or not i don't care anymore right and that was uh sort of the the like if you i mean and ogar burl was one of the, one of the probably the first to tell me he's like dude the first seven songs or seven or eight songs on the first disc of that record he's like it's so relentlessly good it's like you put that next to anything like it's so fucking just like bam 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 holy shit Mm. you know like it doesn't let up ever and so i'm going i have 24 songs that i'm very proud of right yeah man to this day, I have unreleased videos from that record, right? That are still gradually coming out, and right. so like, wow, um, sick. So, do I need you know, like after what two dozen rap albums or something? What do I need to say again? The the necessity of getting something off your chest, and so I found such creative satisfaction in doing DFS again, and and really throwing myself at the punk shit that a lot of the the real personal emotional shit that I was starting to get known for um, was kind of already covered, you know? And when I rap, I want to feel that like superhero shit, you know, like uh, I've got my hundredth episode coming up of the take 92 podcast with uh, Daryl McDaniels from run DMC. And we talk about how in the beginning he was DMC, the devastating Mike controller because he grew up on comic books and it was always the amazing Spider-Man, the mighty Thor. Everyone had that adjective going into it. Right. And so ICP um, still names their albums like that. (laughs) Right. And so uh, it was sort of this like larger than life, creative imagination sort of thing. And, And that's how I feel with rapping. Like I can go to those personal places and do uh, a heartfelt tribute or something that means something to my family, right? Or I can do a historical, political, you know, piece that I'm very proud of, right? But for the most part, 
rap is like my superpower. That like when I bust out, I just want to fucking lay into motherfuckers and rip apart the mic because that's yeah. the fun shit, right? Yeah. And so DFS is really satisfied. It scratched that itch in a lot of ways. And so I do have another rap album that's almost done. I've been working on about four years, just kind of on and off whenever I feel like it. Mostly um, with Webb, entirely yeah, with Webb? entirely. It's me and Webb Beats. It's the first album Ooh. that's only me and him since 2008, the first Illusionist record. Ugh. And so um, we, I mean probably gone through like 30 different beats or something you know and and every time we have a batch it's like great this is it this is the one right and then right. um as i'll start writing to some of the others um he'll be like oh fuck what about this right and he'll throw something else at me right. and then the new beats are better than those beats and so it's kind of grown into this better and better and better thing like the death of a salesman record was so when i do come back I'm in no hurry again because I've got all these great songs that anyone yeah. can enjoy if they want yep. and all these other albums. When I do come back, it's going to be fucking both barrels like flamethrower shit, you know, burning everything down. Like, you know, we, we did release one song uh, on the eve of the election um, mm. that, w you know, there's a couple of like political bangers on there, some, you know, real public enemy shit. But cool. for the most part, it's like, the leash is off. It felt very much like our first record. Like, mm. I don't give a fuck if anybody hears this. Nice. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks of it. Nice. We're fucking just, you know, we're going for it. And, and I feel I've never felt safer and more, um, like, just empowered yeah. to just fucking drop all pretense and just go for it than when I right. work with him and... You know, we don't have to feel like it's it's you know it's part of a band or it's part of a theme or it's got a whatever. You know, we're just fucking ripping mics and you know, it's it's been it's been really fun when we do do it. And actually, the next song we're gonna release is featuring DMC. Mm. Um, it's gonna be on that hundredth episode podcast. Wow, uh, we haven't we haven't announced that yet. Wow, um, you got DMC to do a podcast with you, and he liked you enough to where he did a verse. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, he's yeah. nodding. It oh was my gosh. it was one of those great, um, like the best podcasts that I've done. Right, and a lot of them I'll do on Zoom. Um, you you'll say all right thanks so much blah 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 and, you, and you'll stop recording and then i'll say yeah and i'll edit on the intro outro you kind of tell them what's going on right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then like you sit there and talk with that person for another 20 minutes and because you made this connection and yes. so we we start going on and on about uh, oh, samples man. and he's like oh yeah i'm working on this new record with blah blah oh like you like that one i got this new one with iced tea and, and oh, chuck d and all this i'm like oh my man, god and then Sam. and we're starting talking about like the 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 samples and stuff that he's using that got him really excited i'm like oh man i'm working on one with my buddy right now where he cut up uh uh now i said buddy a buddy rich uh drum solo and uh put it with isolated guitar tracks from eddie van halen and it's this Whoa. awesome fucking banger it's gonna be the closer on the record it's such a good song Whoa. and he, he goes i want to hear that I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, send it to me. Text it to me right now after the show. I'm like, really? Oh. He goes, I'll throw a verse on it. Oh. Like he, I didn't ask for this. He just said, that sounds awesome. I want to be on that. And Literally I, the first act to ever be, what, number one as a hip-hop song? Run DMC. 
walk this way. They were the the trailblazers for, oh for everybody. God. And and we we just we we connected. And that and that's the thing that has always like been the the love hate of my life is that so many times I meet these people who influenced me inspired me and just yeah. just like blessed my life in so many ways um and they see value in what i do and maybe we work together maybe we just have a great conversation whatever it is but i feel that respect and that energy from them yes and when they speak to you like an equal like like a peer no matter how many decades they've got on you or or hit records or whatever and that mixed with the fact that like nobody fucking knows who i am has always mm. been like the 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 thing that kills me is like well stop telling me it's good <laughs> stop telling me right, i'm good enough right right if no one else cares right but right. there's these Send it to black thought please. moments yeah right Instead of <laughs> but there's these moments like this that are just so again validating i go back to that word like from the show the other night where yeah somebody like that and you're like oh my god yeah and i was on vacation with the wife about a month ago, and uh, we're waiting for our Uber. Hawaii? And I get that a, where you yeah, are? we're in Hawaii going to her friend's wedding. And I, I uh, get a fucking email notification. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the song. <laughs> and so I'm like oh. listening on my phone outside while we're waiting for our car. Like, in Hawaii. You know, like teary-eyed. Oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening, right? And, uh, you know, he made an absolute banger. where He's like name-checking all these classic run dmc songs throughout his whole verse and like you know we just had this like and and my uh, here's the other thing he said that to me at the end of the show and i'm like fuck yeah i'll I'll send it to you tonight right Uh knowing i hadn't written a verse i was just like because it was a new beat and i was talking to him about the samples wow and i'm like yeah dude i totally sent it over and then i was like well shit if he's gonna do a verse i better do a verse first right oh wow and so I uh, took what we were talking about in the comic book superpower stuff, and I did a whole verse that's like laced with all those type of references. Um, and then uh, uh, last night, I was just editing and mixing the the scratching on that from our friend uh, JD, the turntabler enabler. And uh, mm. man, it was uh, yeah, it's coming together really, really nice. But it's it's a banger, and it's called Spotlight. Okay. Um, so yeah, that'll be the the second song from. Uh, me and Webb's album is called Demented Inventive Energy or Die. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, wow. it's just kind of our fuck it all record. There's actually no features on it um, uh, except that so song and yeah. one uh, we did a tribute to Gift I already the Gap. knew I had no chance of getting on that album. It's fine. It's whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, well, no, no. I, we were talking to like Isid yeah. and Ogar yeah. Burrow and a couple of people uh, about it. And, you know, when I bring it up, to uh web he would he'd be like yeah but like this is this is our our thing i'm like you're right you're right 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 because i get such a high off of that back and forth because again when i have so many fucking records yeah i'm not really competing against myself anymore like i feel like you know yeah just skill mastery whatever like i i am where i want to be in terms of how i do this shit and so when you get someone else on the song then it's like, ooh, he's bringing this energy. I could bring that. And it, and it brings a different vibe, right? Totally. So the reason this one's taken so fucking long is because it's all on my shoulders. And when we started, I wrote those 20 songs in a month. Right. And that is not <laughs> the way I write these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But once it's, uh, once it's good enough, you know, people will hear it. 
I thought well, it was going to be last you year. Have to, I mean, Maybe obviously, since you said it on the pod, you're okay with it being in the public, but you might have to reckon with the fact that in trying to get eyes and ears on this episode, I kind of have to lead with it promotion, like promotionally, like <laughs> listen to the pod where Sam tells the whole story of how he got legendary DMC <laughs> to do a verse after he did this 100th episode podcast. Um, so that's really, really exciting for me as a fan, man. And, and, and yeah, that was a big, big, big day. I mean, growing up on, on the beasties and run DMC, I've said in just about every interview I've ever done, you know, that those, right. those were the guys that, uh, man, it, it just opened my eyes to this world. And, and again, like coming up at the time that I did, like when you, you come of age and you start discovering your own music, that's not your parents' music. Yeah. You know, that was in the mid nineties for me. And so in the mid nineties, that's a time where like beasties and run EMC had done, there's so much like cross genre experimentation when you buy a, a Beck record or a chili peppers record or whatever it is. And so just being exposed to all these things, you listen to run DMC and again, they're talking about like, I'm the king of rock not yeah. rap right i'm not yeah. the rap god i'm the king of rock yep. because they wanted to be fucking like you know the bands they grew but up why listening would, to but right? why would you be the and king so, of rock at that time because there is none higher yeah rock was the pinnacle so exactly that's what i am exactly there is none higher and so uh, you know just just being exposed to all those things so early and i like we talked about just being like a, a, a dedicated fan, a, you know, a shameless fan. Yeah. I, I mean, I am a shameless fan. That's a great show, but, um, mm. <laughs> but it's not like a, a phase I went through once yeah. in middle school or something. It's like, this is the shit that's on rotation. Like, do you remember this? Um, it was the last show we had a shitty, uh, like the van broke down and then mm. we missed a great show in Denver. And then we had a shitty show after that. And we had one show added at the end of the fall children tour we got to play with Carnage Level Up. Yeah. And do you remember what we were playing when we were driving into town? We had the stereo up like full blast. Oh, we were wow. listening to Run's House. Oh, and okay. we were just fucking banging that as Who's we came house? in off the freeway and circled in to uh, uh, Level Up. And um, My I, guess would have like, been My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. We've listened to that no, once or twice no. before, but not on that moment. But like... The, those, there's moments throughout your whole life where you can remember singing those guys' words, right? And to I have such a real and honest discussion. Like I met him before that um, at a, a comic con because he has a comic company. Nice. Um, and uh, we, we talk about that on the pod. But like you know, just you just get like a certain vibe from a person, you know, and and um, and it just it means so much that I can't even describe when things like that happen or like when like when trevor from wilhelm puts us on the show and everyone like actually listens and, and shows respect like those are the things that snap me out of that depression you know that woe is me thing so yeah it was it was great i can't wait to share it because he, he brought it too like uh, uh, yeah you know with features you got to think like i got to give this guy the right song right you know or Maybe it's not going to turn out that good, but this was one where he was just like, give me that, and he hadn't even heard it yet. I'm like, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> and it To did. me, that speaks to his passion to just be an artist still, to, to create music still. It's the same thing that led him yeah. to be the innovator that he was, is that he still carries that. And also, I mean, being an outspoken mental health advocate. 
Yeah. Yeah. Very, well, very that's powerful. something we connected on too because yeah. I I read his book and it is uh, really raw. You know, talking about not wanting to live. I mean, the, yeah. he went through some shit, some real shit, and came out the other side. And so he's out there trying to tell his story in you know in in music, in books, in comics, in interviews, in any way he can to continue to inspire people yeah. and so that's why like i think just knowing him this much <laughs> just the tiniest bit that when we hit that spark and when we met i gave him figures of speech right mm. and he mentioned it on the fucking show wow i was like whoa he goes you know that's what you do in your bars you put in this i'm like no shit oh he, gosh, he listened man. to it right but yeah. i think that's why he would meet somebody like me and just offer to do that and go yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's do something you and I, because he's always trying to uplift and empower people. He just always has. You know, when they're talking about like, yeah. uh, you know, they're not doing these like social commentary records back in the day. They're talking about like, oh, I fucking went to college and I do, mm. you know, uh, like I'm doing these things for myself. I don't have to be the badass tough guy. Like, you know, it's just from the beginning that's kind of been his thing, and so. I can think of a comparable experience uh, with an artist named Kyle who had a really big hit with Lil Yachty called I Spy. But, uh, so that was one of his biggest mainstream hits. But uh, he was supporting act for Watsky on a tour yeah. where I saw three dates of that tour. Minneapolis and then Eugene and then Portland. Nice. And um, Minneapolis, of course, wasn't... It was like a, a, a couple weeks probably before the Eugene in Portland. And... Um, I was able to go check that out, and I did the VIP with Watsky, and that was the day that Watsky told me he had seen my uh, no, I think it was that day. He told me he had seen my cover of his of, oh, cool. uh, of Whoa Whoa Whoa, and he thought it was like, oh, you got some good views on that. And I thought, so that was really neat to see Watsky saw that. But um, I gave them all. Uh, mul- I probably gave multiple copies of the Ambition record that you uh, produced. Yeah, and. Um, by the time I was in Eugene, because, you know, they say, oh, we'll listen to it in the van. You know, by the time I was in yeah. Eugene, I was behind the wow hall um, and I saw uh, them. Uh, I, I saw Kyle walking. Uh, Kyle and his and his buddy, Super Duper Brick, um, were, were like getting ready for their show. And, you know, he, he would be on a Chance the Rapper album. He was he, he had some very big moments. And I hope I hope that he resurges to that that level because he's very talented. Yeah. Um, and he straight up told me he was like, "Bro, we love your mixtape." He called it a mixtape. That's tape. so cool. He's like, "Bro, we love your mixtape, but you're a better rapper than me, man." Like that's it. <laughs> that's what he said. He was like, "You rap oh, better than so me, nice. man." I couldn't even. We couldn't even handle that shit. We were we were dying in the van or whatever. I love that. And then uh, in the crowd at the Wow Hall, Super Duper Brick recognized me also independently of Kyle recognizing me yeah. and being like, "That dude has a fucking amazing mixtape." That's and so cool. It, it was nuts. Yeah. It was so cool and so. I can understand that acknowledgement, man. Yeah, but. dude, all those like those little moments—they really do sit with you, yeah. and you kind of—that's why, like, in my living room for the longest time, you've seen it. I had framed posters up of all the tours or all the big shows that I got to play on. Yeah, all these things that, you know, I, I'm a real sentimental person, and I need yep. to hang on to those things to get through the other times, you yes. know. And so. Yeah, I'm glad that you had that too, because those are those are priceless. 
you know yeah we're getting close to what i like to when i like to wrap the show but um i did want to talk a little bit about the chili peppers you brought them up briefly and also we're going to say about the album come well, on oh yeah, 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 yeah that that too that too that too that too definitely um because we can go two hours fine it's it's one it, we're at 108 right i think we're about right to get now. crowded out here pretty soon okay that might be the case true um and what was I going to say? So you talked earlier about bands yes. and um, the feeling of being in a band and, and just the powerful energy of it. And I I, I kind of did feel after John left a few years, several years after Stadium Arcadium came out, after John Frusciante left the band, I obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I, I was like, he'll probably be back at some point. You know, I, I didn't believe that he was going to be gone completely. I you followed his solo career more than me. believed it because yeah. he was, he's a very prolific solo artist. And yes. And he has no, he gets no reward from fame and fortune, and so I, I felt like okay, he's he's quit once before and come back and done that thing, and then he quit again. Like okay, you know, yeah. this is this is it. He's gonna yeah. live that hermit life, and he's gonna love it. Like I, yeah. I just, I totally thought this would never happen. One of the things that he heard him say recently was that he just felt like this was the. He's meant to be in this band. That's how it's felt. Yes, since that he was born back. to play in yeah. the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We both yes. listened to Broken Record. Yes, um, which was really cool. That whole month, Rick Rubin did one with like each of them individually. It was cool, fantastic. And I grew to appreciate the album much more after hearing the backstories from it too. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, how do you feel about how do you feel about the Unlimited Love album? I'm just curious. Uh, it's very good. Like the first time I heard it, and and I was saying this to somebody recently that at this age, which with as much music as I consume steadily yeah. and have for 25 years or something like that, um, you know, you sort of get like a, not jaded because you get it, you know, like you look forward to things coming out and you want to hear them, but like yeah. it's, it's sort of harder to surprise you and be like, oh yeah, right? Right. Um, and so the first time I listened to it, I was like, yeah, this sounds like what they do, you yeah, know. And yeah, yeah. and I listened to it like six times that first weekend, and uh, yeah. and each time I heard more shit and more shit, and was like, oh, I like this. I actually really, oh, that song and that. And I'm texting nice. Danny from Double Dragon, and nice. and we're going back and oh, forth about he it, loves right? Them, yeah, yeah. And so um, I grew to enjoy it much more. And then every week hearing those interviews, and uh, they'd mention things about certain songs, and then I would go and catch those those little things, and. Um, I actually feel like it is a very inspired record, and they mentioned that um, it was just the good songs, but there's a whole other album of right. great songs oh. following it. Is they, the, said they, you, they said, said you haven't heard the good shit yet. Really? They basically said that. Oh, that's cool. I know that they said yeah. that we have a big batch, which they always do. No, they but always they, do. This, they're, this, they're like, this there four? will be another one, and it's better. Is what? Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I and, can honestly, I, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised to hear that. I, I hear these songs as being not the, the, the biggest stretch of their capacity. Um, yeah, I think Even though they're great. In a, in a way, um, the the pro and the con of the album is the comfortability in right. the, the, that that reconnection and and I know that they had their own process in getting there right. but the songs they actually created in a way are very um, m- much just like okay the family's back this is what our connection yeah. is and has been to an extent it's not as big and bombastic as as uh, Stadium Arcadium it's yep. not as like um, you know, uh, like 
or melodic and, and yeah yeah and it's not as like melodic and and layered as uh by the, by way. the way and yeah. you know it's not as hard and funky as uh blood sugar blood sugar it's just sort of like the middle dynamic and that's what it was is that it's not really dynamic like some of their albums are i gotta tell you though it did hit we hit different to hear <laughs> anthony still like okay this is the guy who wrote sexy mexican made He's a horny guy. Yes. But he's still saying things like, can I please make you come? <laughs> and also on White Braids and Pillow Chair, this pussy will yeah, uh, obey. Th- that like, part I was like, okay, a little on the nose. And yeah. then when I heard the backstory of that song, I was like, okay, that's actually my favorite song now. Oh, nice. Record, but <laughs> it's a pretty song. I, I think probably my favorite is either What You Thinking or The Heavy Wing. Um, but the funny thing also, we talked about Eminem and people that are like shy to say that they actually listen to these people. I Chip Peppers get shit on so much. So much. Like when I worked at Guitar so Center, much. they were like every musician's favorite band to shit on. And and I was yep. like, dude, like a few years ago, you were all buying Bass Player Magazine and Galleon Kruger amps because you wanted to sound like Flea. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Exactly. And, and it's even to the level where, um, so there's a podcast I like called New York Times Popcast, mm-hmm. hosted by John Caramonica. And uh, they do a mailbag episode once in a while with voicemails and, well, not voicemails, but written in questions. And I was pretty cool. Uh, he actually pronounced my name right, and they read my, my oh, question cool. on, the, you. on the episode. And it was basically about um, whether or not you feel this is an ambitious album, given that a lot of the narrative around it is they're making what they sounded like with John again, you know? Yeah. And um, it was really funny because he, him, and his partner, and this other woman, uh, uh, they all talked, gave opinions about the album, and said, I haven't listened to it. Dude. <laughs> That's brutal. It was, it was kind of gross and 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 like smugly proud of. Yeah. I will not listen to this album. Yeah, you know. I mean, and that's like, that's really a big thing in critic culture right now. Is that yeah. you know, it, it's the whole Twitter mentality of like, I gotta be the first. I gotta be the first one straight up to have a, a hot take on this. And it's straight like, up. come on, man. Like again, I didn't say shit until I would heard it six times. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. I, I wanted to really get to know it, you know, and absolutely, and, and digest it and get like what they were going for, as opposed to just what I heard the first time, you know, right. while I'm driving in the car or whatever the fuck I'm doing, you know, like um, I I just think it's important to uh, to give art a shot. I mean, some of my f- favorite bands are bands i didn't like the first time i heard them you know and it's it's just through hearing being open to hearing it that created that connection to me and and what would i have lost if i hadn't got that you know yeah you still don't like gradient uh let's talk about (laughs) let's talk about clandemic man please and uh this is an album where i just feel there's such a crunch a relentless a relentless full rich tone to the production of this album i feel uh listening to the second track take the edge off what rage against the machine fan what fan <laughs> of, what wouldn't love this uh, i just thought it was real and not, i don't not to say it's derivative of that but i no i don't listen funny, to, i don't, don't listen to heavy music well, we but don't, i liked it we don't do halftime parts and breakdowns and stuff and and that was one of the the few songs we're coming out of this epic like five minute you know uh intro no, no, the no. I, I, I wanted to say a, a five-minute um, uh, fucking pandemic song. Yeah. I'm so caught up in clandemic and panicdote, the right. two titles, that right. I was like, what is the real word? Yes. <laughs> but, like, we're coming out of this huge uh, um, sort of breakdown of all those anxieties that um, I actually thought 
not only in key and the chords that I'm playing, but putting that song there and deleting the first verse. So there were vocals there that I just took out. Mm. So I wanted to breathe for a second. Smart move, And let man. it just kind of build. And then we take off super fast again. You know? but yeah. Yeah. Um, Paul like Miner is um, a legendary punk producer. He was a founding member of Death by Stereo whose drummer Mike played on the album and, and uh, you know just took the songs to another level. But both of those guys uh, were, were just amazing, like truly invaluable what they brought to the table. And, you know, my rough mixes that I was working with versus what Paul did w- was just like, I-, I didn't know you could do that with the, song, right. with the tracks that we had. You know, like right. we did the drums and some of the guitars at his place did the bass guitars, and, or the, the bass, the rest of the guitars and the vocals at my place. Right. And, um, you know, I thought, I was like, dude, this is sounding fucking good. Like, I don't know if we even need to shell out the extra, you know, studio time to have him do it, whatever. And he goes, well, let's, let's, uh, let's compare. We'll both mix the same song. I'm like, cool. Her is. I was like, holy shit. You know, mm. it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a really big production and sonics guy. That's one of the first things that will turn me on or off of a song. Right. And this is easily the best sounding record I've ever made. And, uh no small part to that collaboration because you know he's very generous and he he let me go back and forth with him lots of times to get it just right um you know when we mixed that first song we, i think we had like seven versions of it before it was like fuck mm. that right there nice. like okay let's build the rest of the songs like that you know nice so uh yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm really really happy with the sound of it and okay well, with respect to the growing um, birthday party that's gathering here, the the last question that I also that I always ask, it, we it can probably be tied in to continuing our discussion of this album because I always ask, what's something that's broken in society, and what do you think is a solution? I, I don't have a lot of solutions. I mean, if if you listen <laughs> to the record, y- you know, from the opening song that kind of lays out. All of it was written in March 2020, and that's important yep. of me. Uh, it's important for me to note that that no one else had written anything like this at that time, um, and it was a lot of observations and fears or whatever about the pandemic and and the world uh, as it was changing and and what was going to happen. None of us knew what was going to happen, right? Right. And as the album progresses, you have songs like Apathy, and you have songs like New Normal, and um, you know we're talking about climate change we're talking about fascism we're talking about racism we're talking about i mean the title itself clandemic um all the lyrics are just talking about the spread of this sickness that 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 you know in in the end is is more underscored as not literal but this sort of you know uh cult uh, persona that's kind of pervaded our our, our culture that is this racist fascist mentality and so um there's a lot that i learned and experienced as we all did not only in 2016 and 2017 with the the trump election but through masks and through vaccines and through you know um the police brutality uh black lives matter movement that we were witnessing and so many examples where people had the opportunity to step up and do something for someone else and time and time again as a collective, because I'm not saying there's not a lot of great uh, things and great people um, doing those great things, 
But time and time again, we ignored those opportunities. And I have no hope for the future. It's, it's, just, a, it, it's just a matter of when. I, I hope that I die before this shit gets as bad as I think it's going to get. Um, right. I said on a record... Prior, Can I fist bump your vasectomy? <laughs> sure. All right, good. I, I said on a record prior to uh, the insurrection that I thought there was going to be a, a civil war if Trump lost. Right. And um, that didn't happen yet, but I was not surprised at all when the, the insurrection happened. The way history happened, is written, it could like, be the first battle. I was like, that's you know? a trial run right there. Like yeah. they, they are just seeing how far they can push, what they can get away with. And they did and also them at the state capitals, like a lot yeah. of, a lot of yep. mini trials too. And how, and how well they can organize and mobilize, right? And so I have no, like we are in a state of complacency right now because there's a collective fatigue that we all experienced for four or five years of the Trump presidency where shit was just 10 new horrible things every day that made you forget about the 10 horrible things that happened yesterday. It, it was, was overwhelming for so long that once he was out of office, it was like an intentional reality just, show pace of and, bullshit. Yeah. But everyone just had to go like, Oh, okay, guys, I I can't do this right now. I have a family. I have yeah. hobbies. I need to live life for a minute, you yeah. know. And uh, I think we're underestimating again the tidal wave that's going to hit us politically uh, when we go into the the next presidential election. We have not seen yet the depths of this, and and tied into that again with climate change and all of the other things that we're, we're facing. I've been telling everybody I know, I was like, move inland and north. The coasts yeah, will yeah. not exist within our lifetime, and it will be so expensive to move to those places later right. once they've already been bought out. Right. Like, the best thing you could do for your future is to move to these places that are not going to be on fire, underwater, in a tornado, or um, run by a dictatorship. I have so, to thank you for being the person who drove me to Colorado both times I've been there. They introduced <laughs> me to Colorado. Yes. Idaho's not bad either. Same for you, Idaho. I, I was really trying to convince my family a couple years ago to move to Denver area, and I've recently changed my mind, and I think that, that Canada is truly the only solution because even if you do get to a place that's going to be um, safe from the fires and floods and whatever else, yeah. Um, I, I, I genuinely believe that we have underestimated the threat of fascism and authoritarianism that is, uh, is, is tightening its grip every year and every day. And the yeah. things that we have grown to accept would have scared the shit out of us 10 years ago. Well, we've got something to tighten your grip on. Blue Chew is the sponsor uh, for people who haven't had their... No, I'm just kidding. Do you know what that is? <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> it's not. I don't have any. Uh, but uh, HelloFresh, really. No. Um, no, my I, pillow? I, well, something I didn't <laughs> ask you before about the, the DIE, the Demented Inventive Energy album yes. with Webb. Um, I would just have to assume that Crush Kill Recordings is going to be involved in releasing that, or would that be if... You should never assume anything, right? Don Miguel Ruiz says, don't make assumptions. Do you think that would be the case? It hasn't come up, but I mean, they've released everything that I've 
ever put out in the last decade for the most part including um, dfs stuff is that yes, right yeah yeah right, i mean right like they uh, like awesome the, the woman-owned label the reason oh, you're proud of being on a woman-owned label you told me too uh, uh, uh one time of course i mean yeah i mean those those guys are family to me and, and yeah i shout um, out kathy when when and and brady o'rourke who um really uh is the the financial backer for all my records mm. and so like when when we made squalor uh, five years ago and i said hey i'm gonna put out this record on the side just so you know i'm not gonna be promoting these other records that we just put out for a yeah. little bit he goes oh well i want to hear it you know and then they put it out it was like oh shit okay and so ever since then you know he's been a, a really uh a driving force in keeping me afloat and right. so um with this record i was able to afford things like actually going to la um you know to track the drums and cool. and getting um you know winston smith to do our artwork for a third time but level up right and um just some of these extra things that i wouldn't have been able to hire out for if it was all on on my dime and um you know the music videos everything those guys are making it happen for me and so when i'm like come on guys support the uh the the, the pre-order whatever it's like because i want to pay these guys back as quickly as i can and right <laughs> you know and nice. like they they even when we were recording in la like i said something about the budget and where we were at in it or something like that and and mike goes you get an advance i'm like yeah, actually, nice. it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been very, very good to me, whatever genre I'm doing. And, you I know, that. whether that was flying me out to South by Southwest all those years or, yeah, you know, uh, getting me... Uh, uh, Idea connect, Celebration Show, what, 2011, like something like that? Didn't they fly you out to that too in Minneapolis for, at first half? Maybe that wasn't the maybe first later half one was uh, the five-year anniversary after after Idea passed. So that was 2015. 20 yeah but yeah i mean they've just given me so many opportunities over the years and again uh are, are backing me whether it's hardcore or hip-hop even as a hip-hop label like you'll see when they post about it they're like i don't know if you guys will even care about this but if you listen to it i swear to god you'll love like yeah brady posted the other day he was like if you buy this cd and don't think it's good i will pay you from my own wallet your refund because it's so good and i was like that it's one hell of an endorsement. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, like those guys just just believe in it. You know, and uh, like I said about all the friends, old bands who came out to our show in Portland, like people I've met over twenty plus years. Like, I still have these people in my corner who believe in me, and it means a lot. I'm proud to be one of them, man. And thank um, you, and thank you for having me here. Yeah, not a lot of uh, avenues to uh, promote. DIY records and so uh, I'm grateful this will likely come out um, on a Monday where the upcoming is the 30th on a Saturday and it's a local show we'll it's actually on uh, on Thursday on June Thursday, 30th sorry. yes at John Henry's we're opening for negative approach who recently I saw here uh, at a sold-out show they were on tour with adolescents and nice. the circle jerks and nice. uh, so I, I think it'll be a, a, a really great turnout and um, we got some video of our show in Portland the other night. I'm going to try to track the audio from this one and see if uh, we can get some cool stuff, uh, some cool live stuff for you guys. So Wonderful. Yeah. Hope you all have enjoyed the um, different sounds of the pod. You know, we're out here in nature, and uh, we're going to be really uh, 
appreciative of these folks who we kind of split the space with here as their uh, party gets underway. Oh, and last thing worth yeah. noting: this is our first local show in three years. Same with me. I haven't played in any True. form uh, except that one show we just did in Portland. So this will be your only chance to see us this summer, and it's your only chance to see me, period, uh, since 2019. So. Which is why we bury the promo at the end of 90 minutes of talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Much love, everybody. Thanks for checking it out. Peace.